Contact decoded. Welcome to this episode of the Founder Tech Decoded podcast. I'm delighted on this episode to be talking to Judy Lone, who is the founder of Sweatlink. Sweatlink addresses a fundamental problem in the early stage startup ecosystem, which is how do you attract and incentivize great talent to solve and get to the, the problem that you're focused on and get to the milestones that are the most valuable for that next raise when you don't really have the capital resources or possibly even the track record to not only attract that talent, engage that talent, but also reward that talent financially. Sweatlink steps into that space by offering that talent um, and we can get into what that talent means, um, equity in return for services early on, which seems to be a, um, a very, very uh, useful and clear uh, leveraging of founder tech to solve a problem that currently um, is rife all through the startup ecosystem in those early stages. So, Judy, um, welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you on. A pleasure. Thank you, Dan, for inviting me. No worries. So, let, let's just sort of focus, get straight into the catch-22, I guess, of this, which is, um, as I said, you know, how, how do you attract and engage and reward that talent when you are very early on and you don't uh, have the means to necessarily do that financially? What made you um, think about that problem perhaps more than others and then, do, and then decide to do something about it? Um, well, actually, uh, what many people don't realize is I, I'm not the original founder of Sweatlink. I actually joined Sweatlink as a sweat equity partner myself. Right. The original idea came from my brother, who had previous experience of building a startup. Um, and we come from quite a, um, I guess, um, a modest background in that working class family raised by a single mum. We didn't have access to uh, the network or uh, investors. We knew nothing about that world, had no connections there. And neither did we know any um, people who had gone through that journey before us. Um, So when my brother started out with his original startup, one way he was able to to get traction with his idea was to offer equity. And he he offered equity to advisors, to ambassadors, uh, people who had connections in the industry. So from that experience, he, he recognized that it was a huge problem among other founders as well. And he wanted to build a platform that made it easier to form these relationships. And at, at what point did he invite you to join the band, as it were? Right. So uh, initially, when he founded the company um, in 2018, he, he told me about it. And I was a bit like, well, OK, great. Good luck. You know, good for you. Um, I didn't actually think very much into it because I was I was in my own. I was having my own career. Um, my background is in digital marketing and web development. Uh, so, yeah, I had bills to pay, etc., and I wasn't necessarily looking to look for, I guess, uh, any other kind of opportunity, especially having just had my first child. 
But uh, fast forward kind of like a couple of years later down the line, I was at a point in my career where I was thinking, actually, you know what, I, I don't see myself doing this until I'm 50. Um, what's next for me? I have this abundance of skills that I've developed over like a 20 year career. Um, so I just I did to essentially take a break, a career break, having just had my second child. Yeah. And um, so my brother then approached me and asked if I wanted to help him kind of bring this platform back to life uh, where he had tried previously to get it off the ground. He actually then had to put it on a back burner because I think it's a, a story that's probably quite familiar to a lot of founders where they, they give it a good go, um, but then life happens and you have to pay the bills, etc. So it became a back burner project for him until he brought me on to essentially bring it back to life. Um, and I put my time and my skills into redeveloping the platform to what it is at the moment. Right. And did he sort of like bring it out of the bottom drawer and say and dust it off or was it already fun <laughs> was it functioning and did it have customers in that way and even early stage ones or was it sort of you know one of these ideas as you say there's, there's you know often it does often happen with founders they get it so far and this entropy kicks in life kicks in where was it when he handed it over or asked you if you wanted to, to take it on as well so where it was was it, it didn't have any customers yet it was literally a platform which sat on a live domain but had no visitors uh, it was clunky the technology used was really dated and very closed as well so it was difficult to work with and develop on so julie hold on let's just get you go get into your headspace at this point you've got two kids you're looking for something to do your brother's tried this thing it hasn't quite worked and when you when you do take it out of the drawer and dust it off, you look at it. And think, oh, this is this is this is this is this is riddled with problems. Um, what makes you think I'm going to do that? Like, what's the motive? There must be a motivation when you looked at the problem space it was addressing and, and mm -hmm. thinking it was rich enough um, with potential um, and that you were solving a real problem. So that motivates you. What what was it in that problem space that motivated you? I would say that there was two sides. So obviously, I understood from his perspective the the founder challenges, but what really inspired me to to jump in and really um, move it along was actually the the talent side, the wow. idea that you could invest your talent, uh, have a a share in the business for you know you are actually helping to build it and invest in your own future so i was i mean what had essentially happened was our mom actually passed away uh kind right. of a year earlier and that made me um it really opened my eyes in terms of thinking about the future um and it's actually my mom that kind of inspired me to think like that, uh, being a, a single mom and having to to 
build from scratch and build uh, an asset portfolio as she did throughout the years um, to be able to support herself, you know, when she hit, when she would have hit retirement. Uh, so I started, I guess, thinking about my future and thinking about investing into my own future. Yeah. And so when, when you looked at the problem, you looked at it from a talent perspective. Um, do you want to sort of talk about what that means? I know that in, on the, um, in your model, you have makers, you have movers, and you have manifestors as, as different aspects of that talent. Do you want to talk about what the, those three categories and what they mean? Yeah, so we we kind of early on identified that there are three kind of key sets of uh, skill types that I think every business really needs in order to build the foundations of a, a successful business. Uh, and so we have your makers who are typically the ones that are the, the creative problem solvers. They're the ones who want to to solve problems and they come up with the ideas uh, and look for solutions um, and then you have the movers who are the ones who naturally enjoy uh, they do tend to be a bit more extroverted they they enjoy going out promoting speaking to people um, like I guess forming relationships with customers and then you've got your manifestors which are essentially the backbone of a business. So they love delving into the operation side, coming up with the processes, the workflows that you're going to need and, and dealing with things like the compliance issues and even stuff like the accounting side of things, like bookkeeping, all those kind of yeah. fundamental yeah. business skills. And um, which one are you? Which are you? I assume if you're doing Venn diagrams, people can have an overlap. But which? So what's your overlap? And then, and then leading from that question, when you look at talent, how do you get them to understand where they are on that on that overlap, and then where to assign themselves? Yeah. Um, so I definitely think that uh, you, there there is overlap, and, and probably there's more a. A, a waiting system. Maybe you t you're, let's just say, for example, eighty percent a mover and then um, twenty a maker or something like that. Where I sit, I say that I uh, maker and manifester. Yeah. I have the the skills to be a mover as well. I can do some of those activities, being obviously from a marketing background. But it's not where I naturally enjoy being, if you like. Yeah. Um, so I guess in terms of when it comes to advising the talent side, don't just look at what you can do because we, we and many of us can, can do a lot of things. But it's more uh, where do you what do you want to do? What actually uh, drives you? What excites you? Uh, which part of being in a startup business really um, motivates you? So let's let's talk through a live example. Um, you know, um, Lindsay has a startup a in let's say in sustainable fashion, just for the sake of sake of that, um, around a particular kind of fabric, right? And she's she's got it so far. She's built um, some prototypes of it, and she realizes 
that she needs a maker to create a website and a manifester to help her with her sort of you know, fund, you know her company structures and things like that. Um, how does let's just let's go with the maker for the moment that situation? So Jim is thinks this is interesting. He comes onto Swetling, sees the opportunity. Talk us through that process of how Jim evaluates the opportunity and then how, once they're engaged, you know, equity is incentivized and rewarded. Yes. So with, with our platform at the moment, uh, it is that MVP stage. So we effectively have the the businesses the founders uh, and they create their own profile a bit about themselves as well and they list their opportunity with an outline of what kind of skills they're looking for um, from the talent side a similar kind of process if they create a, a talent profile which asks about their background their inspiration and what kind of skills can they offer to the startup and with it being an MVP at the moment, I actually do the introductions because I'm obviously uh, aware of who signs up to the platform. Yeah. Um, and uh, it may even include a bit of a kind of just a short discussion or meeting with the party or uh, a call or something to get a better idea from either the founder side or the talent side of what they're looking for. And and so so you're doing the vetting at the moment yourself. So let's mm-hmm. just say you know I'm Jim. I come. I want to. I'm a, be a maker. Just talk to me about that conversation um, of how you're vetting them. And I, and I'm assuming you know that when as as the platform scales, that will start to be automated. But at the moment, we're having that conversation. What does that sound like? Um. Uh, so, so if you're, I'm sorry, did you say you were a founder or I, on the town side? No, I'm, I'm, I'm Jim, who wants to be a maker uh, for Lindsay's startup in the in her sustainable okay. fashion. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if you're on the talent side, then I guess it's just a general chat about your your background, uh, your the experience that you have. A lot of this information we normally can find on LinkedIn anyway. Uh, so, and I think also it's kind of speaking to them about their availability and what kind of opportunity they're most interested in, um, in terms of maybe the sector or the, if it's a, if they're looking for something that's purpose driven or if it's something that they see more short term as opposed to long term. So yeah having that initial conversation just to a bit like a recruitment process really yeah yeah and then if you think that there's an alignment there a match there you will then introduce Jim to Lindsay and then they will discuss and then do they if they want to move ahead how was the equity then negotiated and implemented is it is it via sweat link or or do you just at the moment just facilitate the introduction and, and give some guidelines as to how the equity could work yeah, at the moment, we we basically give them uh, some guidelines. There are tools that we recommend in terms of how to value the equity, how to look at it. What we find with people who are new to the ecosystem and it's their first startup business is 
they often don't actually understand uh, what equity is and what it, what the impact of um, parting with too much equity in the beginning might have on a future fundraising. Yeah, so, so let's, let's just finish the example. So let's say I'm going to put in £10,000 worth of web design, design, graphic design and web design. And uh, how does Lindsay, how would she typically value that? And then, and how is the equity issued? So is it issued as straight for equity? Do you look at tools like advanced subscription agreements, which sort of defer the, you know, the valuation? What, what happens once that transaction happens and there's a determination of the value that Jim is providing? How, how does that then, you know, I guess, how do you close that transaction? Yeah, so we actually recommend that they go um, do a bit of research. There's so much like resources out there. And I know that you're familiar with uh, C Legals, Vested, um, and those kind of equity yeah. management platforms as well. So we, we make the match or facilitate an introduction and kind of steer or guide them in terms of how to maybe approach that side of things but uh, we don't actually we don't actually i guess implement it for them Um, that's kind of something that we see more further down in our roadmap potentially i see so so where you position yourself at the moment is in enabling both parties to understand the equity is possible as an exchange for talent or key skills, key outcomes via, across these makers, movers, manifestors that are needed. And you're, you're positioning yourself as sort of a, a like, kind of like a broker, matchmaker around those sort of that double-sided marketplace. Is that, is that, and then, and then when the, when the transaction occurs around the equity, you're recommending other platforms to do that. Is that, is that a fair summary? Yeah, because there are a lot of, um, obviously, it's better to get legal advice around that kind of thing. Although I know that um, forking out for for a lawyer to do that as a startup is quite cost prohibitive. But that's uh, why um, I see legals or founder catalyst uh, platforms like that are are brilliant um, in this space at the moment. Yeah, no, the, the, for sure. This is just, just a jump to another idea that's sort of adjacent to this that's come up um, in this sixth series, which is the idea of fractional teams. Are you across that term? Has it come up in your discussions? Because it's come up in uh, mine and, and the podcast quite uh, recently, quite a lot. Have, have you? Have you? Is that term kind of meeting what you're doing? Yeah. Um... I think probably there's a, in terms of our platform, we we have quite a few founders on there who are looking for someone who's uh, more co-founder level. Um, but we also have uh, startups on there who are looking for more fractional kind of talent too. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. On the talent side, equally, uh, we have people on there from who are looking for both types of opportunities um, I yeah. think there's yeah a, a lot to kind of be said about considering fractional talent to uh, to help you get to the next milestone I think it's actually an enormously interesting um, concept I think it di- does directly 
sort of inflecting to what you're doing because I think what came up with um, with uh, Joe um, Lewin, who's the uh, CEO of Foundy, the M&A platform, we were talking about status and there used to be this status around having a team, right? Like a startup's worth or progress was you'd go into an office and there would be like eight people, you know, beavering away and, you know, you'd have your CMO and your COO and your CTO and that, and that sort of signified to the market that you were successful um, and, and even worthy of another round. Like they, in itself, yeah. the hiring of that team and the maintenance of that team was seen as a, a milestone. Whereas now, because because capital has to become more and more efficient, which plays into, you know, the fact that you, so you're expecting founders to use tools like you and other founder tech to, to, to make that capital more efficient. But equally, what that does is it impacts on that status symbol of the team and therefore the fractional team becoming legitimate feeds into that which is achieve you know basically achieve more uh, more effectively more powerfully but with less so with less mm-hmm. capital but also with less engagement of talent on a permanent basis and i think what you're doing plays into that because if you can incentivize that talent without even having to have capital then you can assemble a fractional team much quicker and that fractional team then has almost a higher status than if you'd have raised a whole bunch of money and hired a bunch a whole bunch of people it's like the ability to do that bit around a professional team and incentivize it in different ways is increasingly seen as a state uh, a symbol of, of, of a founder intelligence and status uh, and i think that plays into into what you're doing i would love to hear your view on 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 that which is quite it's quite a fresh perspective but i'm sure it's something you've thought about yeah i think it demonstrates how resourceful a founder can be um and like, certainly just drawing on my own experience so I, we have a couple of sweat equity partners on a fractional basis um one of them who helps us with the communication side of things so just helping out with reaching out to uh, customers getting customer stories in because um a lot of what we do is about sharing experiences and um, stories about working for equity or uh, compensating in equity and the the other fractional uh, talent that we have is helping us basically lead on the product development side of things so yeah and I think that as a founder, it means that you don't have to worry so much about um, being able to cover everyone's wages for for a long term and be able to actually make a lot more progress before you get to that point where you're, you're suddenly responsible for so many employees. Yeah, that that's a really interesting point that it enables you to test your, I guess, man management skills, human resource skills. Because of what used to happen with a lot of founders, they would raise, and then they and they have never managed. They a lot of people have never been in a job for very long. You know, never been in a structure, never been, never had to hire anyone, never had to manage anyone. You know that, and that was a reason why I think a lot of things came unstuck. Whereas I think what you're saying is, is super fascinating, which is. Actually, this enables the founder in a very lightweight, agile way to test their skills working with talent, um, which is which is really fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I, and in, in the past couple of years as well, obviously since the pandemic, um, 
the, the technology has moved on so quickly to enable us to do that really yeah. well um, and not just kind of work with people locally but across the globe one of our um one of our sweat equity partners is actually based in canada now um although she was in the uk when uh, we first started working together so, so let's let's um kind of close this this part of the conversation before we talk about where you're going with sweatlink um have you seen any downsides to that early not downside let's talk about the early warning signs in terms of if you're thinking and working with teams and talent in this way and you're thinking about this problem space I think people listening to this would be super interested in like well okay I know if I pay someone and I have a contract with someone for their services um, that they're going to turn up generally and they're going to be accountable and responsible for that for that role Um, now when you're offering sweat equity, particularly to someone maybe remotely because you want their services, what would you say are sort of some red flag warning signals, things to be aware of in, in kind of managing that relationship and making sure it stays, you know, in a good faith space where both people are working towards the same goals? Can you can you give us some of like some insights into that? So I, I think in terms of just making sure that everyone is on the same page it's really important that that both parties understand, uh, I guess, how equity is calculated and what that journey in terms of the distribution of equity will look like through the kind of life of the startup, um, especially if you're going to go on to raise several rounds. Um, so just kind of ensuring everyone understands how dilution works and the impact that's going to have on their equity ownership as well and is clear about that is is super important and I guess that's where where we come in uh, in terms of the talent side so with the founders they're obviously they will naturally be exposed to this during their fundraising efforts etc but on the talent side, is it, they've never worked in a startup before, uh, and it's not something that it's not a concept they've ever come across. So there needs to be somebody to be able to explain that to them. Yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be a lot of your a lot of your work over the next year or two. Like in this space, the so, so like Vesta do a really good job, and you should see Legals do is similar. But Vesta have this very dynamic equity model you know mm-hmm. where where how equity is deployed and when and then linking it to milestones and and i think it's seeing equity as um it's that shift um from a static thing where you generally people have bad cap tables right they have or or inert cap tables to seeing it as a, a fluid sort of tool of a, a, with agency um that can enable you to do things um what you're doing and what you're speaking to is 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 right in that space and i think there are going to be a lot of learnings along the way because you are going to have i'm sure you've thought about this some horror stories right people who take equity and then you never hear from them again yeah. or, um, and that's just going to be like you know it'd be like where i guess when airbnb started they, they knew that there's going to be some guests that are going to behave really terribly and those are the outliers. you've got to push those to the outliers the anomalies you know but you're but also i think but the more interesting challenge is how you're going to make equity really fluid 
in this early stages when milestones are changing when prototyping is you know like always iterating you know when when it's just emerging what the thing is and all of a sudden you've got things around ip and contributions to fundamental ip all of those things are really important problems to solve i i think that's what you've got in the road ahead of you working with other partners as well and that must be like i guess the going back to full circles when you took this out the drawer from your brother that must be the 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 heart of the challenge for you right like looking at those problems and, and and working through them yeah yeah and that's why it's quite an exciting space to be in at the moment with with the likes of vested see legals and founder catalyst or uh looking at how can we make the the information i guess around equity around legals and things um more accessible yeah um yeah, so so I'm kind of like re- really excited and, and confident that you know there there will be solutions. Yeah, it's going to be a challenge, but yeah, one that we're we're excited for. Yeah, as ever in the founder tech space, it's it's, it's not so much the tech; it's the behavioural shift. It's the it's the ecosystem going. Okay, right, we now understand that equity is a this sort of fluid tool. That's great. We now understand that that can help attract talent. That's great. We now understand that fractional teams are really valuable and they prove lots of things. That's great. And then it's like just keeping people in that space to then engage and um, and to sort of, you know, actually sort of embody those principles is, is, is I think, the challenge over the next year to two years. So um, just as we wrap up, is there anything you want to say for people listening to this, um, either on the founder or the talent side, um, you know, what they can do if they're thinking about certain things, where they should go, um, how you'd engage with them. Well, obviously, we'll leave your contact details in the, in the show notes. But anything, and and also like what you're hoping to achieve, you know, coming into 2024. Yeah. Oh well, if you're a founder, particularly if you're a new founder to the space as well, then please take a look at what we do. Um, I'm always happy to kind of share my knowledge and experience in this as well to support other founders going through the journey. Um, and we particularly would love to hear from people who have uh, had experience either working for equity or compensating in equity, whether that's positive or negative as well, because that really helps us kind of um, see where we can offer the most value. And uh, it's it's a lot of it is about bringing transparency to the, the ecosystem and how this aspect of startups works which i don't think there's enough information out there about um in terms of where we're going next year so we have our our new replatform launching very soon um so i'm excited about that as an early stage startup ourselves uh, for us it is going to be looking at i guess a focus will be on product market fit and actually getting to revenue generation uh, before looking at raising our next round. Um, And in terms of reaching to you, is it the best thing on LinkedIn or um, you can give your email if you wish or not at all, like how, how, or via the, via um, the website, which how was your preference or or all of the above? Um, website you can follow us on we are on a linkedin under a company page or under my own personal um happy to connect with people just kind of 
send me a message and say you heard us through this podcast and yeah and we're also on instagram and facebook if that's your thing as well great well i i really i really look forward to maybe you know next year if we if we're doing series eight or something of this like because i think it's one of these things that that is so needed and i i actually personally i think this move to fractional teams early on and this sort of status shift around um you know, achieving more with less and proving yourself more with less, I think is super healthy, like for everybody. Like it just enables people to really show who they are really early on, enables talent to align properly and test and sort of, you know, engage engage in a much more kind of, you know, iterative manner. Um, and I think all of that is so much healthier than, you know, a young founder, not even young, well, our first time founder, you know, getting a whole bunch of cash, hiring a whole bunch mm-hmm. of people, you know, not that people really buy off, you know, lease offices on that kind of way anymore. I guess that was like, to your point, one of the things of the pandemic that started to shift. But all of those things that used to be like, oh, I'm running a successful startup, you know, are starting to be eroded and, re- and re- reconfigured to the point where it has come up that we will see eventually you know, the first unicorn startup r- r- driven by one founder with, fraction, you know, totally by fractional teams, um, that that's not now no longer out of the question. And I think the very fact that people can see that, not that getting to a unicorn status is the be on end of anything, but the fact that people can see that, um, I think it's really sort of emblematic of like this, this shift. So I wish you lots of luck and thanks for sharing your story so far, thanks to your brother, obviously, for keeping you in the drawer. So it was ready for you <laughs> as and when. And um, yeah, but thanks, Julie. Thanks, Dan. It's a pleasure. Founder Tech Decoded. Founder Tech Decoded. Founder Tech Decoded. Founder Tech Decoded. Founder Tech Decoded.